So yeah, format's just really loose. I'll just kind of do an intro. How long? Um, I go minimum 30. The longest I've done is an hour. I just don't We can beat that. Rushed. We can beat that. Oh, we could. <laughs> I've got, I've got till probably four o'clock and then I got to get to a film shoot actually. Film shoot? Yeah. What do you do? We'll talk about it. Oh. If you want. Sure. I want to dive in. Yeah. You ready to do this? Game on. All right. Good morning. Welcome to the Paul Green Comedy Podcast Special Edition. Oh my gosh. Special Edition. I have got the guest of all guests. Sorry to all of my other guests. You were just guests. I feel so bad. All right. It, cut, cut that. Yeah, cut, cut that. New uh, start. <laughs> I, so I talk about this podcast being a podcast by a dreamer for dreamers. And I have the OG dreamer. His official <laughs> title in my life at once a point of time was Dream Manager. True story. True story. He was my dream manager when I worked for a company called Infusionsoft and was yeah. instrumental, hugely instrumental, huge, hugely instrumental. Huge mistake. <laughs> big, big, big mistake. Big, <laughs> huge. <laughs> and uh, was very influential in helping me. Uh, set out a path to move to Los Angeles and pursue those dreams. And we have stayed in touch over the years. I've known you probably here, here. for eight, nine years now. Yeah. And yeah, something still like that. stay in touch in every conversation. We talk about dreams, goals, going for big things. That is a really long introduction. I haven't even said your name yet. <laughs> this is Dan Rouse, everybody. I feel like there needs to be an applause after that introduction. I'll add it in post. Yeah. <laughs> People are apl applauding in their cars. Yeah, somewhere. like, whoa, yeah, 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 no, they're who's not. That? They're okay. not. <laughs> yeah, who's that? Oh, great. Paul likes someone. This is good. Oh, so thank yeah. you so much for being here. I'm so glad that you came on this podcast. And yeah, let's uh, I let's let you talk now. Okay. Because I've talked with a huge introduction. Yeah. So just go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience. Of course, I know who you are, but they don't know who you are. Yeah, like, oh man. So I'll tell a story by way of introduction. So at one point in my career, when I was a young, hungry leadership development nerd, mm -hmm. uh, I had a chance to introduce Stephen Covey. So I was like the guy who was going to give his introduction. Like, right. He just gave me a nice introduction. And I, I like, they send in advance Stephen Covey's bio. And this is like toward the end of Stephen Covey's career when he had conquered the world of right. leadership development. Yeah. I understood it only took seven habits. <laughs> see what I did there I don't feel like that laugh was genuine at all uh, that felt very uh, no, that was forced um, <laughs> wait we're supposed to laugh this is a comedy <laughs> one uh, anyway but uh, I was I had the chance to introduce him and I I spent literally hours because in my young career I was sure. like I want to be the next Stephen Covey right like I yeah. want to be the guy who in fact I know that I'm going to do such a good job Stephen Covey's going to invite me to have a career with him right I was a dreamer from the yeah. very start yeah so I put in hours and hours and hours and hours, and I seriously had this this beautifully crafted, you know, walk up to Dr. Covey in, in advance of the meeting. Dr. Covey, my name's Dan. I'm going to be introducing you today. If there's anything in addition to what your team already forwarded, sent to me, you want me to share, please let me know. And he just goes like this. This kind of grav gravelly old voice. Oh, I hate those things. <laughs> He's like, just tell him that I love my family. And I was like, and I was mad at Stephen Covey. I was like, dang it. And I crumpled it up my notes. I'm like, Stephen Covey, he loves his family, right? So I feel that same way. Like, I, I, I love my family. That's probably the most important thing you can know about me. Um, for a time, I did have a job in which I was called the dream manager, which meant my job was to, in our company, to help people identify, articulate, and accomplish their personal dreams, which is kind of unique, right? Yeah. Most companies, like, they have dream crushers. In our company, we had a dream manager who was right. actually trying to help. Yeah, there's that um, whole phrase. accomplish. You know, a salary is what somebody is paying you to give up on your dreams or sort of. Uh, sure, sure, like sure, that, sure, sure. You know. Yeah, and we we paid salaries for people to pursue their dreams. Yeah. Yeah. You. Yeah. They salaried you. They salaried me to help people pursue their dreams. And, and in part, you, right? Like yeah. you were pursuing your dream and you had this whole thing where you're like, hey, listen, let's go chase something really, really big. I still remember that conversation, by the way. Where, where it was like, Paul comes into my office and is like, and you hear big dreams, but this was like pretty hairy and audacious, right? It was yeah. Like, and I, I still remember thinking to myself, I might need to talk him out of this. 
like I, I like I had this whole like speech that I would give where a dream might be a, like I want to be president of the United States, and I'd be like, "That's awesome, right?" Let's just talk about what that would take, right? In order for what kind of commitment and drive that would require for you to get to accomplish your dream, and and I gave you that speech, and I I don't remember your exact words, but the sentiment was, "Yeah, I know, I know what I'm up to, I know what I'm up against, right?" And I was like, all right, we're all in. Let's go do it. And here we are. And here we are. All these years later. Yes. Still, still chasing, man. Still still chasing, but yeah. but, but still on the path. So why don't we dive into mm. a little bit about your personal philosophy about yeah. dreams, what that means? Because it's such a nebulous term, dreams. I mean, what does that even mean? Yeah. So I would love to hear more about your philosophy, strategies, any of that which I think would be very insightful for everybody. Sure, sure, sure. So simply put, in order for me to probably explain what dream a dream is, maybe best that I explain what it's not. So to um, all of us have a biological principle to live rather boring, rather humdrum lives. Like It's almost built into our DNA. We're much like the deer who wanders to water, gets a drink of water and wanders back. If it doesn't die, which path is going to take the next time? Same right. path over and over and over again. Until if there's a little divot, a little rut in the ground. And literally, biologically, our brains operate that way. Where if we find a path that doesn't kill us, we go, don't leave path. Right. And some people call it a comfort zone, and which is probably not a bad f- terminology for it. However, I've fe- mel- met too many people, maybe you have too, that are just miserable in their comfort zone. Right. Where you're like, I, I hate my life. And you're like, well, why don't you change your life? It's like, because I hate my life more than... I changed my life more than I hate my life, right? right? And so as a result of that, um, people will tend to stay in a, I call it the rut, a little routine, a little zone of what they're familiar or used to. And that is where they want to hang out. And our our biology wants us to stay put. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, and you see it a lot. It's like somebody breaks up with somebody, it was a bad relationship, yeah. and then six months later, they're in the same relationship or somebody gets fired from a job or they quit a job six months later, they're in the same type of job, same type of salary. You know what I mean? And our, our tendency is to stay about the same. Right. Which is sort of depressing. What do you think about it? Right. Maybe, maybe we're, we're chatting with some billionaires out there that are like, Oh yeah, I just want to be this for the rest of my life. But even those people, to be honest, uh, I think it was like Dave Ramsey that said, if you eat enough lobster, it tastes like soap. Yeah. Like there does come a point where if you're in a routine, even a good one for too long, it loses some of its savor. Yeah. It loses some of its magic. Yeah. And I think I, I hear this sort of sentiment a lot in sort of the self-help world, which is if you think happiness is over there, yep. I'll be happy when I get, mm-hmm. oh, all I need, once I have $100,000, yeah. Then I'll be happy. And then you get the hundred thousand dollars and you're not happy or you don't get it and you're miserable. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so so that is Yeah, I almost want to I want to reinvent that to say I'll be happy right now and later. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm gonna enjoy the journey and if I get to that destination, I'm gonna enjoy the destination too. Yeah. Right. That it doesn't have to be one or the other. Yeah. So I feel like I sidetracked that a little bit. So okay. you're, you're talking about the humdrum. The, oh yeah, uh, the, the the I call I call it the humdrum conundrum. Yeah. You hum, already know I that. I love that phrase. So the, the humdrum, humdrum conundrum is this idea that we are constantly predicting the future, based because our brains are going, "What's next? What's next? What's next? Don't die! Don't die! Don't die!" And then we base our actions based. Uh, we predict the future based on our past, meaning something didn't kill me before, probably not going to kill me in the future. And then we base our future actions on those predictions. Yeah. So that's this kind of rhythm or routine or rut that we fall into. And so to dream then is simply to identify possibilities that aren't a part of that routine. That's it. It's so simple, right? And it and it comes very naturally to us to say, ooh, I wish. Yeah. I would love to have this thing. Now, uh, I add a couple of criteria to it. One, a dream has to be desirable has to be something that you really, really legitimately want, which is a harder question than maybe you think at the outset, right? Yeah. Um, so it has to be something that lights you up. That's kind of how I can tell. Like I remember this 80-something-year-old woman coming up to me and saying, Dan, 
I have a dream. And she had this like giddy look on her yeah, face. Yeah. And she was like, and she was as if she was in love for the first time. And that is like a good evidence that your dream is a good one is if it lights you up when you think about it. Um, so I, I think there are some people that don't end up meeting that criteria when they look at their dream, that it doesn't maybe light them up. So the way they hope it think, will. that's an interesting thought. So what do you think would motivate somebody to declare a dream they don't actually want? Yeah. Um, there are lots of reasons. In fact, it happened far more often than I would have expected in the seat as a dream manager. Um, one of the reasons is that they are, they're meeting some external expectation, sure. right? My mom wants me to get married. My doctor thinks I should lose weight. My, right, whoever. Right. And therefore, that's what I want. That's my dream. Mm -hmm. and, and so there are some kind of routine expectations that life seems to throw at us. And to meet those expectations sometimes is the dream. Uh, the other... Oftentimes, the other way people would talk about dream, the way you sometimes talk talk about or articulate the dream would be the reason it would get in the way. So for example, uh, somebody might say, my dream is to lose weight. Whatever everyone would say, they'd be like, no, it's not. <laughs> like, no, it's, I already know. I already know that the losing weight part of the dream is not the dream. Right. Like, because losing weight is miserable. You have to not eat donuts. You have to like, yeah. Um, but if the dream was, I want to live, I want to outlive, I want to live to see my great-grandchildren. Right. And if that lit you up and you could imagine yourself at 95 holding your great-grandchild in your arms, I could buy that. Yeah. Right? Uh, and so oftentimes they talk about the journey but not the destination. And the journey can sometimes get really depressing and not that exciting, right? It's, journeys are hard. Yeah. Um, but destination dreams... Are, are the thing that keeps keep us on the path. So that was also a common reason why. So that's an interesting thought. So you're asking them what their dream is, but what they're actually saying is some sort of goal or or effort. It's some kind of action that the dream would require. It's yeah. like saying, oh, hey, Paul, I found this great new car. It's twenty. It's $48,000. Right. And you're like, well, tell me about the car. Well, it's $48,000. And you're like, that's not what makes a car exciting, right? Like the price tag isn't what makes the. But I have a dream to spend forty eight thousand dollars. Yeah, if that lit you, car. if that lit you up, right. um, somebody might. But yeah, but for the most part, that's not the thing that makes it exciting. It's this actual. It's let me tell you about the car. It's red and it's got all these cool features. Um, that could be exciting. And so one of the things that I would encourage people to do is to get very clear into our. And that's probably part number one. Part number one is desirable. Part number two is that. It lives Wait, in language. It's desirable. Oh, desirable. It has to light you up. Okay. Part number two is that it lives in language, meaning that we have to be able to articulate it to a degree that it has efficacy or power in our lives, right? Yeah. So the example I always give is when I'm sitting in a room and I'm like, all right, everyone, will you share one dream? And then we're going around the room. This one guy, he goes, my dream is to drive a tank. <laughs> 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 and it was awesome because yeah. at first I was like, huh. And then I thought, me too. <laughs> right. That's definitely I also <laughs> want to drive a tank. We can we can drive tank tanks in tandem. Yeah. Um, like it's definitely not part of what I would typically do. And if you ask me if that would something that kind of light me up and get I'd get excited about, yeah, like the G.I. Joe kid in me would like want to drive a tank. And what was fascinating about that is not that I wanted to drive a tank, but more that I had that dream inside of me the whole time. And until the words drive a tank appeared in my world, I had no idea. Yeah. And so it, a dream requires articulation. And the more, the more common part of that is when we have a dream, uh, i.e. another example. Uh, so what's your dream? I don't know why all my dreamers have Southern accents, but yeah. they're going today. <laughs> my dream, my dream is to go to a football game. Yeah. And I was like, awesome. Which one? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and it took four or five or six or seven questions to like narrow it down to where it was like an SEC football game, Georgia versus LSU in, in Death Valley. Like, and he could articulate it, but it never was articulated. And therefore it just was go to a football game in his mind. And the more detail we give to the dream, the more powerful that dream becomes and the e more accessible it becomes as time progresses. So this is why vision boards 
those kinds of things are like trying to articulate in a very detailed way a dream. And because the more detailed the dream is, the more powerful it is. So why do you feel that's, well, in your experience, is that difficult for people? You said it is hard for people to articulate or you had to sort of yeah. dig and drag it out of them. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I, I think there are, mo I think my, in my experience, the articulation portion of the dreaming was usually, um, how do I put it? It was like people would struggle to um, give themselves permission sometimes mm. uh, because we have this nice little spot in our brains where dreams live. And it's kind of the same. It's like dreams, Disney princesses, they're like right in the same category. It's all fiction, right? right? And because it's all fiction, uh, it's like we don't need like when we start to give it definition, when we start to give it reality, it becomes scary. And so our, our again, our, our, the deer in us who doesn't want to leave the path lest we die because we're optimizing for survival, not for thriving or joy. Yeah. Um, Disney princesses. <laughs> or Disney princesses. Um, like because of that, we, we, every time we come close to saying, hey, maybe we should leave the path, Oh, there's a little instinct in us that kicks in that says, "Oh, let's not let's not talk about that. Let's not let's not do that." And so the definition or actually defining the dream and getting really clear about it, even if we're not committing to pursue it, has a little again biological response that says, "No, let's not think about that." Any level of depth. Yeah, and I'm as I'm hearing you say that, I'm thinking there's also an element of once I say this out loud, it now becomes something that. I can fail at. Yeah. Whereas yep. as long as it's in here, oh, I want to be a famous actor or whatever. As long as I don't say that to anybody. Yeah. Well, then I actually haven't failed. Or, or even if I just say, well, you know, that'd be cool, but right. let's all be like, we all kind of nudge each other and say, we don't actually chase our dreams. Right. We just talk about it. It is fun to talk. Yeah. Oh, that would be, it's like you know, winning the lottery. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. What would you do with a hundred million dollars? Because again, it, if the, if the conversation is, is in fantasy, yeah. And it's safe. Yeah. It's when the conversation becomes in reality that it becomes scary. Yeah. Also, let's take the losing weight thing. Oh, I should lose weight because that's a trite, yeah. easy thing to say. But apps, but actually saying it and meaning it and then goes, oh man, I've got to change my whole lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've got to. Has consequences. Yeah. Instead of yeah. watching TV on. And this is part of the reason that I I always encourage people to to spend time um, to spend time making a list of dreams that we weren't committing to, not a list of goals. Yeah, a list of goals has weight and and gravity to it. They have deadlines and and work associated with it. So I always wanted to go the other way around, where it's like, let's just make a list of dream possibilities. Yeah, let's make a menu of dreams that we can choose from, and then we get to decide whether or not that dream has enough excitement to it where we want to buy it with all the work and effort that's going to require for us to pursue it. So for example, like I, I mentioned in the beginning where I said, I remember the first time we told us about our dream. It's like, I, I like to think about dreams almost like a, a shopping center where it's like, man, we the dreams are just populated from front to back. It's like a Costco size emporium. And you'd walk in and you'd see all of the things, right? And there would be like a, a car key and you would say, all right, you could have this car or there would be a surfboard to be like, learn to surf. But on every dream, when you turn it over, there's a price tag. Right. And in the same way, when we go shopping, we find things that when we look at the price tag, we say, I value the thing more than the cost. And in a similar way, when we pursue dreams, you have to be willing to say to your dream, I value the dream more than the cost. Mm. And so not all things we want are we going to pursue. Yeah. Not all things that I go to the store and look at, you know, some things I look at, look at the price tag and go, oh, yeah, no limit that much. And we put it back on the shelf. And so what we're hunting for is we're hunting for, let's make a list of all the things. We have a limited budget as far as time and resources. Uh, which of all the things do I want to purchase on my dream list? And But first we make the list. First yeah. we make a list of 100 dreams or 200 dreams and we can go from there. Yeah, I... And I think one of the valuable things that I've found working with you and still talking with you again, you know, we yep. always go to lunch. We went to lunch recently and is 
I think it's easy to think of dreams as, like you said, oh, we're just in fairyland, or it's, oh, if I just think it, it will happen. Yeah. Sort of the the secret, which had its efficacy, but also had its backlash. Yeah. Half of the secret is really accurate. Yeah. Which is, hey, if I visualize something, and I believe that it that I that it can be accomplished, it it has power yeah. in us to take action and gives us opportunity to do things. But if we treat a dream like it doesn't have a price tag, right? well, that's not true, right? We know that's not true. So when I think about this price tag element, I know something that I'm still struggling with because I'm still in pursuit of this dream. I, I'm not done yet. Yep. I haven't. Yep. Oh, I gave it a try. I'm now on to something else. I'm still in the pursuit well, of that that dream. was on the price tag when we talked about it. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I don't remember the exact words, but I still remember the notion, which was, Paul, you realize that this dream takes years and years of pursuit. And by the way, even after years and years of pursuit, you may not get it. Yeah. Right? It's like uh, you can have this thing and there's a chance that it might never get delivered. Right. And even still, you said, nope, I'm going after it. Yeah. And I'll tell you where... I had another voice in, in my ear at this time. So you were very influential, but I was also working with a stand-up comedy coach at the time, Yeah, uh, uh, Tony Visick, who was really my first comedy Wait, coach. wait, I'm going to interrupt your story. This is a good story. Don't forget it. Do you realize, and this is my chance to talk how cool I think Paul is, like how, how admirable and unique it is. I'll look at the camera now. How admirable and unique it is to pursue a dream uh, in which you don't know if you'll even realize uh, ever achieve the finish line. So to start a journey that will require a huge amount of expense and effort, not ever knowing if you'll reach the destination. I mean, that is just an absolute admirable feat for anyone. And so, yeah, I'm just so inspired by that. In that moment, I was like, dude, Paul still said yes after I tried to talk about it. <laughs> right. Well, he's either dumb or brilliant, right? Or, or yeah, somewhere in between. I'm leaning towards dumb. <laughs> but anyway, I had a conversation with Tony Vizek, and he was a stand-up comedian, and he yeah. got up to where he was headlining. He moved out to L.A., and he was starting to get some traction in L.A., and then some things happened, and he ended up not getting that level of success that he wanted to. But when he started doing, he also was encouraging me to move to L.A. as well. And he looked at me, and I'm going to have to edit I'll, I'll do an edit for YouTube. But he looked at me and said, you know, Paul, I went out there. I gave it everything I had and I didn't make it in in that sense. He goes, but you want to know what? At least I effing tried. At least I effing tried. And I got- Yes. And I got- Yes. And I just went- Yes. Because to your point, I'm going, you know, I'm, I'm going to die someday. And when I'm looking back at my life, what would I rather say? I had this big dream, but I didn't yep. go for it yep. because I didn't know if I'd actually get so it. So is, this is Teddy Roosevelt. You've heard me say this quote before, but it's my favorite quote because to me, it it says speaks something to the dreamer. It says, uh, it was Teddy Roosevelt, I think that said, um, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out where the strong man stumbles or the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena whose face is marred with dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly and who fails and, uh, I'm going to forget it, comes up short again and again, who at best knows the triumph of high achievement and who at worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly so that his place will never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. Mm. And so there, there, there is there is there's something brilliant and and beautiful and noble about the person who's in the arena and that's what i love about dreaming yeah I, it's what i love about entrepreneurialism i love people who are saying listen i know it's not safe i know it's not going to be easy but it's what i want and it's something, and there's something, there's some things in life we're sacrificing for. There's some things in life making our lives hard for. And maybe it's, I know we're both probably a little bit of romantics, as you can, if you haven't noticed yeah. by listening to our <laughs> romantic conversation here. Right. But there's something romantic and brilliant about, uh, about risking and pursuing. And uh, it's part of the human spirit that has uh, gotten us very far 
as as a as a species. Yeah. Um, because we've been willing to pursue dreams. Yeah. And- Dang, I'm inspired. I'm ready to go. Heck, let's go. Well, we'll get to that. I want to. Uh, I want to. I want to live in philosophy for a little bit longer, but then I want to talk yeah. more about you and your personal dreams because then it comes. You know, the old uh, physician heal thyself. Am I right? Mm. Um, here, here. So, um, yeah, and but that concept of what what I've learned along the way is the pursuit. Being able to pursue the dream is the dream, and there is actually nothing else. Mm. And when I am driving to some casino gig that yep. after expenses, I'm going to lose $50 to be able to do stand-up <laughs> comedy for a group of strangers in, a, in another state. But I am able to do that even, that I have the resources yeah. to be able to even take that hit. Yeah. Instead of me going, oh, I'm not selling out Madison Square Garden and I'm not making $100,000 for the gig. I'm just sitting there like, I'm living my dream. Yeah, man. This is it. Yeah, this... like right after this, where I'm going, I'm going to a film shoot because I booked this random film shoot on the on the indie set. Am I making? I'm making. I'm not even saying much money I'm making because it's laughable. But I'm going. I have the resources. Yeah, man. To go be an actor, and people found me and booked me and said, "We yep. need his talent." Right. Yeah. It's uh. So there are two thoughts that spring to mind as you say that. One, yes. Like. I always tell people like find find the life where the grind you enjoy the grind, like because every job is grindy, right. right? Every job has a grind to it. Every journey, every path has work involved, anything worthwhile at least. And so, yeah, it's grindy. But if you don't have moments where you just pause in the grind and you're like, dude, how cool is it that I get to be driving to Yuma, Arizona yeah. to do a gig, yeah. and like. And, and it's late and it's, and I'm tired, but it's like, this is it. This is what I signed up for. And there is something exhilarating about that. I don't know. How would you even describe the emotion? It's, there's some emotion that those, again, cold and timid souls, right? the, the people who stay in that comfort zone never get to experience. I, I don't the even... feeling that I often feel is just pure gratitude. Mm. I'm just grateful that yeah. for whatever reason, that yeah. I'm even able yeah. to do that, that I can take the hit, that I can, it's, I'm flying to Missouri. By the way, for the record, yeah. for all those of you who are looking to book Paul, he's very expensive. You cannot get him for cheap. It's going to cost you millions of dollars, literally. Uh, but at the same time, let's negotiate, you know, let's not like rule anything out. I'm reasonable, <laughs> you know? I'm reasonable. What's your budget? That was my favorite. That's my favorite question. I had a speaker who once was like, I just ask, what's your budget? And then I go, that's a, what do you know? That's exactly what I charge. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. When I do that, nobody ever answers. <laughs> they're like, what's your budget? Yeah. I will. Um, I'm like, you know, I want to work within your budget. And they're like, nah, just give us a number. And then I'll finally just give them a number. Yeah. $80,000. Yeah. Um, I forgot where we were. Uh, oh, yes. The journey. So the journey to me is the dream. So that's part one. Part two uh, springs to mind uh, Simon Sinek. He's, he wrote a yeah. really good book, The Ultimate, The Infinite Game, I think is the name. Oh, of I love and the infinite game, you can probably tell it better than I can, but the spirit of it is the goal, it's it's not winning and losing. The goal is to be in the game. Yeah. The goal is just simply to stay longer in the game than the other guy. Yeah. And how do you craft in business, how do you craft a business that allows you to continue to play the game year after year after year? Because those are the businesses that eventually win. And, and at the same time, if you're a dream pursuer, how do you craft a world where you get to pursue the dream year after year after year after year where other people are falling off and quitting you get to stay in the uh stay in the driver's seat yeah i remember i was uh at some comedy festival and they had their panel of industry people which is always fun Mm. and there was a i think it was a casting director if i remember correctly and people are asking him questions and he he I don't I don't remember what the question was but the answer was something along the lines of everybody thinks that this is a numbers game he's talking about acting everybody thinks that this is a numbers game mm. just audition enough you write the funnel if I audition a thousand times I'm going to get a hundred callbacks those hundred callbacks I'm going to be you know ten of them are going to lead to you know chemistry tests and all that stuff yeah. and then I'll book one and then I'll be successful and he goes it's not a numbers game and everybody on the panel is like yep like they all knew something that we didn't, but then he didn't say what it what is. it was. 
It's not a numbers game, just in case you were wondering. Yeah, and you're every, 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 every... Next question. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, what? Uh, what? What? What is it? <laughs> what is it? Uh, I, have a, I have a follow-up. <laughs> and it just so happened that, you know, they moved on and I didn't put it. I was like, well, what is it then? So afterwards, we were able to do a little meet and greet. And he actually gave me his card. But they were kind of shoveling this through, so I didn't get a chance to answer. So I was able to go home and email him. And I just said... You said it's not a numbers game. What is it then? And he gave me this very thoughtful response. I would actually love to go on my email and find it because I'm sure it's still in there. But he just said, he goes, hey, listen. He goes, I see people all the time who come out to Hollywood. They do their first audition. They're happy to be there. They're grateful. They come in and they book the thing. And then I know people who have been to Hollywood for 20 years have never booked anything. It's like, it's not a numbers game, right? Yeah. And he yeah. goes... And he talks about, he said, I remember this guy who moved out to Hollywood. He was really talented. He was really good looking. And he pretty much said, I'm giving it two years. If I don't make it within two years, then blah, 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 blah. He goes, lo and behold, that guy didn't make it. There was this other actor who just said, I'm just happy to be here. And I'm going to be here as long as it takes. And he goes, that was Chris Pratt, right? And of course, you know, he's, he's comparing those two, right? Yep. And I think it's, this idea of, okay, I'm going to try this dream. It, it's it's kind of like a dipping in the pool. I'm going to test the water. Well, it's it's me picking up the dream, looking at the price tag, saying, meh, I'll buy it at a discount. Right. But I'm not going to pay full price. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And especially when the price tag is indefinite. Mm -hmm. the, the Yeah. You, you could blow up in a year. You could yep. be successful in two yep. years. You know, there's a little gamble. The, little yeah, gamble. there's a little gamble, and it could and it could take you the re rest of your life, depending on on what your dream is. I'm yeah, there's about. some dreams. If my dream is to like go to Tuscaloosa, yeah, you know that that's that's got a definitive price, yeah. and we can get it at a discount sometimes. But there are other dreams, the category of dream where it's like a life achievement award. Yeah, that yeah, it's it's you're signing up for a life sentence when it comes to those dreams. Versus the car, which is also a cool dream. It's like, yep. I, I want to buy a Corvette. Cool. Great. Strategy, yep. save money. But then the question is, once you buy the Corvette, has is your life different but, or is it- But that's true of when you look at things that change the world. So this is the former historian in me. When you look at things and people who've changed the world, inevitably, the ones who have done it in the most significant way- have said at one point or another, I'm willing to give my life for this. Yeah. Uh, whether it's a long life of, a long enduring life or some kind of mitre, martyr moment. You look at like Gandhi who basically said, listen, I'm, I'm, I care enough about this thing and accomplishing and seeing this thing through enough. I'm willing to give everything for it. Right. And that's a dramatic example. You see that example every day when you talk to most mothers, for example, they're saying, I would give my life for this dream. And and as a result, they're transformative in their in their impact. And so the the big ones, I mean, that's the ultimate price tag where it says, and you cost one human life. And you go, All right? Yeah. I'm in. But what I love about those moments and those dreamers is they're the ones that we remember because they were intentional about their life. Yeah. Uh, too many lives. If we think about life, like a credit card, like we, too many lives have been just kind of squandered on fr frivolities. Right. And not enough lives have been per have we've spent the price to buy something that really matters. Yeah. And so that intentionality, that willingness to say, Hey, I'm going to spend my life on something. I'm not going to spend it on trinkets. I'm going to spend it on something that really matters. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And, and what matters to you or matters to me, right? Yeah. And, and I had sort of mentioned that before. I I kind of had this realization of how, you know, as human beings, we're always influencing people's free will in some way, right? Mm. And my free will is constantly being influenced. It's like, how many times have I seen a commercial pop up? And then I go, I want that thing, right? It's sure. Like some company has paid an advertising mm -hmm. advertising company 
So the owners of that company can go fulfill their dreams, which is I want a successful business. And then they have this advertising, which influences me to then exercise my free will to take my money and go buy their product and then just give them mm. a little bit. But they've totally set me down a different path that that evening, right? Yeah. If you don't figure out what you want to do with your life, someone else will figure it out for right. you. Yeah. And then I think about yeah, I for sure. same business. What am I trying to do? I want to be able to influence other people's free will yeah. to go, oh, Paul Green is going to be in my town. I'm going to now take my hard-earned money. I'm going to go buy a ticket. Yeah. I'm going to get a babysitter. I'm going to get it. And, and half of that, by the way, can sound very manipulative. Right. Or you could think, man, I want to do so much good in the world. Right. This is kind of like Dave Ramsey who said, yeah, I'll, I consider dollar bills little thank you notes with president's faces on them because I did some good in the world. Yeah. And that good is coming back to me. But- like the prin principle number one is, yeah, if you aren't intentional about how you're spending your time, money, life, someone someone's happy to take over that yeah. responsibility for you. Netflix will do it. Nintendo will do it. Everyone's everyone's YouTube hungry for it. your attention and hungry for your time, and they're happy to, and they're not like caring for your time and life, right? They're not trying to make your life better. Uh, well, maybe some of them are. Uh, but principle number two is, like as as we're pursuing our dreams. Like, let's go gather people around us who are who we can benefit and bring value to, uh, because you know this by now that the dreaming really isn't a, an individual game, right? Yeah. It's a team game, and the more we can, the more members we can gather into our team, and the more we can create this great synergy between people who are working together. Like that's what you and I have, right? Is this great synergy where we get together periodically and say, "How's your dream going?" I go, "How's uh, let me tell you how my dream's going." And those kinds of relationships are are pivotal in the dream pursuit. It's not a lone wolf experience for sure. Yeah, and I'll tell you that that has been an interesting element. You talk about taking criticism from people in the arena and all of that, and I've made a conscious effort to put myself out into the world a lot more. I've been flooding the internet with videos, and I'm doing this podcast and all this stuff. and And I started my own open mic, and it has been fascinating to me how much. Did you start your own open mic? Oh, that's cool. I don't hear that. that. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, oh yeah. And it it's this business model of open mic. I need to talk about this now. Uh that was in LA. It's a pay to play open mic, right? So it's sure. really efficient. You pay five bucks, you get five minutes, you stay for one hour, you just show up, you do your time, and you leave. There's no audience, it's not a paid show, right? So that doesn't exist out here. And I'm going, man, I want that because most open mics out here, you have to show up like two hours early, you put your name on a list. Sometimes it's a lottery. You don't even know when you're going. Oh wow. You can be there for three or four hours before you get your five minutes. All of the comics are leaving or coming and going. So I'm going, I don't want to deal with that. I want, I just want to pay yeah. $5 and do my time. So I created that open mic here. That's cool. And I started advertising it in Facebook groups. And you would not believe the rants I was getting from other comics in the community. Just really lambasting me about how this is just so greedy and wrong and I'm predatory and I'm taking it. Oh, the fact that you're, that you're somehow. I'm benefiting. Uh, you, you, uh, that you're somehow like ruining their lives while yeah. they all show up to give you five dollars. Yeah, <laughs> right. You know, and I and I'm going, just don't go if this isn't a good format for yeah. you. But it goes back to what you were talking about: is anytime you put yourself out yeah. there, you're no longer safe. You're putting yourself out in the community and saying, "Well, this is what I'm doing." Yeah, and then all of the people who are not actually in the arena with you. Not the just, critic who counts. Yeah, just just come not out of the, the man who work. points out where the guy is charging five dollars for you to come. To yeah, help just getting pay. rich. Just you know, <laughs> it's a maximum of nine comics, so it's forty five dollars an hour. I'm like, yeah, we're we're driving Ferraris now because, yeah, and we have to have a facility, and yeah, we have to, yeah, yeah and we got to pay for it. You know, it's like the world world doesn't owe you anything. That was actually my podcast a couple of days ago. Is which is another thing. Maybe we can because the kind of conversation has gone that way. Is this idea of, mm. I think it's easy for some people to feel a sense of entitlement or the world owes me something. And I'm in this space now. I'm going, I don't think anybody owes me anything. Sure. And I don't actually feel entitled to anything. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, uh, it goes back to this conversation where, hey, dreams have price tags. If you aren't getting your dream, you're probably not paying the price. Yeah. And by the way, some dreams, uh, you know, if we t tomorrow decided I want my dream is to play in the NBA, didn't my old fat butt in my arthritic shoulder 
like it's not possible. Right. And so as much as we want, I, I love the idea that anything is possible. Not everything is possible. Right. And I'm okay with that. And by the way, we can have anything, but not everything. Like there are some, there are some mutually exclusive dreams. Right. Right. I can, uh, <laughs> I got a guy who come to me one day. He's like, man, my dream is to buy this 1962 Chevelle. I don't remember the name of the car. And he was so excited. He's like, I found one and the cost of my current car would equal the same, basically to swap out even for even, no additional cost. I'm so excited. I'm going to drive to South Carolina and get it. Um, I bump him to him like three days later. So how'd it go? He's like, well, I talked to my wife. <laughs> and, and he said my dream of being married was greater than my dream of having this car right and and so yeah there there are times where you know dreams that will be mutually exclusive or, or dreams that won't be possible uh but at the end of the day you know there is uh most things are like we're, right. we're kind of bad judges which is the hard part of what's possible for us and what's not well you just pulled on another thread which I have struggled with. Yeah. So we're going to get a little therapy session All right, Paul. in this podcast, right? Just lean back and talk slowly. So <laughs> so how do I know if the dream that I declared is a, I want to throw a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl, not going to happen dream, Yeah. or, oh no, that actually is in the realm of a possible outcome? Uh, great question. Um, a, um, Maybe hard to tell from your current vantage point. So move a little closer to the dream if you're having trouble telling. Start down the path a little, and it will let you know usually right. whether or not there's a chance. And B, do a little research. Find people who've done it. Uh, get some self awareness. Get feedback from others, um, but not the not the wrong people, right? Um, I don't know that there. That's the difficult part about it. I don't know that there is a way of knowing. Well, it's because I'm saying because you could just yeah. say by the same time, well, somebody told me I was my, my my mom said I'm ugly and yeah. therefore I always well, will be. Yeah, and well, <laughs> this person said, well, you're not really funny, and a lot of people yeah. don't make it. So you know, so it's if you go to somebody else, what you're actually getting yeah. is how successful they've been at accomplishing their dreams in their sure. time. Sure, and 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 you mentioned the critics. A lot of the critics are simply people who are saying. Hey, listen, I, I get that. Um, I'm, I would be scared to leave the path. The fact that you're scaring, leaving the path makes me scared. Right. Because if you're, if it's correct that you can leave the path, that would mean something about the decisions I've made in my life. Right. And that would be really scary for me. And so they're definitely going to be critics. So again, my, it really will come down to a personal decision around whether or not you believe in that dream. Right. Um, but there are some, there's some judgment, there's some wisdom. Yeah. Right? There's some like, uh, like we're playing by the laws of physics here, right. uh, for the most part, except for Elon Musk, we're, you know, we're playing by certain age time constraints. There is a general rule of how things work. So it is finding, uh, I oftentimes would talk about it a little bit like, uh, for whatever reason, I, this little science fact fixed in my mind where lightning when it comes down from the sky doesn't make it quite to the earth the last little bit of lightning actually comes up from the ground to make to make the connection in the thunderclap and for whatever reason like that's to me how dreams often work it's like all right i could imagine this time where i'm a new york times best-selling author and i'm doing these big things and can i can i envision a path that would take it down to where i currently am and can i see the gap where i can say i know what the next step would be and if I can just get to this tier, then then doors could start to open. And and then again and again, we kind of follow that path. If I can just get to here, then the doors would open. And so I think that being able to see a path right. that would allow you to go, yeah, I think it could. Um, but is dreaming without risk? Right. No. Yeah. And But is life without risk? No. Like every time I jump in my car and I drive to the store, I'm at risking my life, right? Right. Some In some way. Um, and so dreaming has risk, but so does life. It's just in one case, it feels safer when in reality, you know, me being overweight and eating bonbons isn't safer right. than going to the gym and getting in, in shape. Right. And so the dream pursuit does require risk. And uh, at the end of the day.
Yeah. Well, and I think there's an element too of, well, there's a couple of things. So let's say that I came to you and was like, hey, Dan, I'm 42 years old. Yeah. Never thrown a football in any sort of official yep. capacity ever other than playing with flag football in sixth grade. I want to throw a touchdown yep. pass in the Super Bowl, right? I think that if that was my dream, which it's not, I think there's an element also of people can use dreaming as sort of an escape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's it's actually really low risk. I want to throw a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl, I, something I know is actually impossible. I, I never will do. I will never do it. But I can talk about it all day long. Pass. Depends on how we define that because you could maybe halftime show it or Dr. Pepper yeah. scholarship <laughs> fund, right? Well, and then at the same time, and I go, okay, so yeah, go for it. So yeah. what would that take? And and so if- that By the way, means- by the way, that's a really good question. Well, what would that take? Yeah. What would need to be true in order for that to happen? Right. I would need to be the first quarterback in the history of professional sports <laughs> to start. Yep. You know, and if I'm starting at 42, that means I would need to train, get good, which means I'm probably going to be 50 yep. or whatever. There would be a physical element. There right. would be a mental element. There would be an opportunity element. Right. Like we would consider, have to consider all of those things as part of the price tag of that dream. Yeah. And again, there are some, some things that aren't possible. Right. And I'm okay with that. Um, and we could look through all of that criteria and we could say, would it be worth the chance? knowing that in the end we might not accomplish it. Yeah, and that's what I and that's what I think. It's like, okay, so yeah, wake up every morning and start throwing a football and start exercising. So if you're in the journey, I'm going, that yeah. actually is the dream is being in the journey. I do actually have a good example of this. So I had a guy who came to me and he said, my dream is to run in the Boston Marathon. And if you've never like done the research on the Boston Marathon, I had never had, like in order for a, a male between the ages of 20 and 20, 40 to run in the Boston Marathon, you have to run a marathon to qualify. You have to run a marathon in like breakneck pace. Like a qualifying marathon. You have to qualify. And the qualifying time for him was like he was running seven minute miles for how long is marathon? 26.2, seven minute miles. Have you ever tried to run a seven minute mile just? one luckily that is not it is it is so hard <laughs> you're right and you, and you know, do 26 of them yep and sure enough he's like he started i'm like all right let's go let's get in the game let's get in the arena let's find out yeah and he's like mm, i think i'm okay not pursue, right but the, again the moral of the story is like he was in the arena he went and ran he went and got got better shape he got stronger and even though he never ran in the boston marathon that's okay right like we have permission to change our mind along the way um he's he but he he grew and progressed and learned and developed, and that was all right. It was a, a very similar story where I had this girl game, and she's like, I want to run a marathon. I was like, awesome, let's do it. Do you run? She's like, never have. Never have. <laughs> I was like, okay. Like, maybe we should start by just running, getting some shoes on, trying to run a mile and see how that feels. And she came back. She's like, I think my dream might be to run a 10K. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, so- yeah. It's like we, I had a we learn dream. as we go, right? We learn as we go. I had a similar dream last year. I was like, I wonder if I can dunk a basketball. Yeah. And yeah. it's very just- How many days were you on? By... I, I probably got about 150 days. So I almost had about a half a year. And with all of that work, and I was doing everything I can, you know, failing weaknesses, you know, I got injured and stuff. But I got to the point to where for like two weeks in a row, I could jump up and touch rim. And it was enough to me that goes- if I was willing to continue to pay this price, maybe I could get a little bit above the rim. And then if I kept paying the price, maybe I could give a little bit more. But to your point, the the mm-hmm. why and the drive and what it would take to elevate this 42-year-old yeah. white body over a rim, it just wasn't it. And especially when I have to allocate so much of that energy to my dream of pursuing comedy and yeah. stuff. It's like, well, would I rather go spend two hours at the gym jumping or would I rather spend two hours producing a podcast, releasing social media clips? You could have everything, writing. anything, but not everything. Yeah. And so we do have to make some choices in life. Yeah. That's part of life. And and again, we get, we get kind of funny about it. Like we, we come up with a lot of really good excuses not to pursue dreams. Right. Um, well, what if I start and I don't finish or what if I, yeah. And, and just be, be cautious of that because, so many of those excuses we're giving or those fears that are surfacing are just a way to stay put. Yeah. So if when in doubt, get in the arena. 
Yeah. Get to work. Try things out. Learn. Don't be foolhardy. Don't be stupid. Don't make bad decisions. But get moving. Right. Right. Get off. Get off your spot. Start the game. Do the work. Earn more money if you need more money. Earn more time if you need more time. Like, again, all of that is just one excuse after another of why we shouldn't. Right. And if you were giving me really good excuses as far as why you should, I would love it. Yeah. Right? Like, can we talk about the other? Can we talk about the other? Well, what happens if you just sit in your fat chair and just stay there for the rest of your life? What about that? Yeah. Can we talk about that for a minute? Yeah. And the risks that are involved there and what ifs if that are involved there? And so for me, the dream life is so superior to a life of of fear and a life of sedentary um, uh, criticizing uh, that it's it's not even close. Right. It's not a competition. It's like, would you rather have a life of great success and or failure or a life of regret? Mm. I think that's the. Yeah, that's the that's the that's the bargain. That's the challenge. And, and again, I mean, we're talking about life and that's what it really comes down to, right? Is like, we're talking about how do we make decisions in our lives and how do we, what is this life really meant to be? And what is it meant to be about? And one of the things I'm convinced of, I believe that one of the things life is meant to be about is it's meant to be about learning and it's meant to be about uh, growing and developing who we are. And I think at the end of the day, the reason dreaming comes as naturally as it does to us as human beings is there's something innate in us as human beings that says, I want more. Yeah. I want to try something. I want to learn something. And that instinct in us is a good one. It's a healthy one uh, that's meant to help us uh, grow, progress, and be happy in life, right? And so for me, that's, I mean, that's what life's about. And so for me, it's very easy to recommend to people Make a list of a hundred dreams, choose one yeah, and let that one be uh, something that you just kind of get to work on. Which is not easy, by the way. I remember uh, coming up with a list of a hundred dreams. I remember when I first started working at Infusionsoft, let me see, oh cool, we are doing fantastic on time. Uh, we had a dream journal and that was your first challenge was just write down a hundred dreams. And even doing that, it's like you do three, it's like car, yeah. house, yeah. Uh, 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 trip. <laughs> Uh, it's funny. The genie shows up and says, you have infinite wishes yeah. and you go, I can only think of three. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and X knee on the wishing for more wishes. <laughs> yeah, it's like, no, the life says literally wish for anything you want. And, and, and part of that, like, by the way, there are different personality types. Certain personality types are far more easy to dream. So if you're sitting next to your spouse and it's like, oh, I can't think of a dream. And you're like, how can you not think of a dream? Are you even human? It's like there are different personality types. Uh, some people are much more on the side of imagination, which is an important part of dreaming. Some people are much more on the side of execution, right. like let's get the work done uh, side of dreaming, which is also an important part of dreaming. Um, and so for those of you who are on the side of execution, um, the, the, the task is to make a list. Um, don't think of the list of things you're going to do, but think of, uh, think of it as a list of things that you um, would might do, or, or if they showed up on your doorstep, you would keep them understanding that that may feel like a frivolous activity, right? There there's power in the imagination. And those of you who are really, really good at imagination, um, choose one right, and make a plan and let's get to work. Right. So, um, depending on who you are, but yeah, it can be hard to make a list of even a hundred dreams. Um, all right. Awesome. So we've now done some philosophy. Philosophy. I now want to ask you two questions. Okay. Question number one is, as the dream manager, practicing what you preach, what's one dream that you have declared? Yep. What would you say is the most significant dream that you've accomplished? And moving forward, what is your big dream and how are you pursuing it currently? Uh, most significant dream I've accomplished. Being a dream manager, that was pretty cool. Tell us about that. Um, that I'm sure that just didn't fall out of the sky. Yeah, I mean, when the reason I got a job at this company in the first place is because the person who recruited me said, I think you might make a great, great dream manager worth even thinking about hiring that position right now. It's definitely not something we're doing. And so me signing up with that company was me chasing that dream of being the dream manager. And 
Uh, and by the way, the first round of hires for the dream manager, I didn't get the job. And then I got a call from my boss one day that said, Hey, listen, uh, hate to break it to you. We're not going to be on our team very, very much longer. I was like, Oh, I'm getting fired. Thanks for letting he, me know. He's like, no, no, no. It's, it's that the, they're hiring for the dream manager. And I'm, I'm realizing that, um, we're going to get you that or you're going to get the job. So that was very cool. Um, but there have been a lot of really, really great dreams. My wife and I took a nine month tour around the country with our, our five children. Um, that was incredible. We've anyway, I, I, I feel like bragging, uh, you know, it's like a big diamond ring. doesn't make anybody feel good. Um, there've been a lot of cool things and my life at this point is progressively moving more and more towards like, what am I, what, what don't I have in my life that I want? It just is like, my life is so stinging blessed. And it's been in part because I've consistently said, all right, we're going to go try this thing. I don't know if it's going to work out. And, and I've kind of lived my life on that philosophy of like being willing to put myself out there and try things, uh, and hoping that they would work. Um, and then the dream that I'm pursuing right now, um, uh, my goal right now, one of my goals right now is to, uh, is to write a book. I'm in the middle of, in the middle of that. It's not even about dreaming. It's about business. Love it. Um, uh, to be on the New York times best selling author list is a dream of mine that I'm, I'm scared almost to admit out loud. Uh, cause I know what a prestigious, I know the price tag on that one and it's daunting. Um, but I mean, the bigger dreams are surround my family and the relationships I want to have with them and, uh, bring it full circle to love my family and want to spend more time with them. I want to see them grow and be happy. And, uh, yeah, lots of cool dreams there. Can I articulate back to you something that you said to me when we hung out last week? Yeah. Which I thought was really cool. Well, I'll just kind of spark it. And then you spark it. No, it had to do with, you were at some meeting and there was a keynote speaker and I cannot remember who it was now, but he had written some very influential mm. book and you described what it was like having him there. So, um, so this is a dream of mine that again, you know, Paul's going to make me admit it in public here. Um, uh, nobody's watching <laughs> the, the tens of people who are watching, um, uh, which is a dream of mine that eventually it will be a lot more than tens. Yeah. That is today's reality. Yeah. 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 No worries. All, te all tens of you. We're grateful you're listening. <laughs> Paul's mom. We're great. Glad you're here. <laughs> Um, no, uh, you know, uh, there's a guy by the name of Terry Warner, who is probably one of my idols when it comes to, uh, leadership thinkers and influencers. And he was an event. I got to see him speak. And those of us who knew who Terry Warner was and his influence on the world of leadership development, we were all like, dude, that's Terry Warner. And, and he, and it didn't even matter if he was good as a speaker. It was just cool to be in his presence. And, you know, I would love to be, have done enough good in the world, uh, to have a moment where, uh, people are, uh, just go, look at that old codger, but you know, the good he did in the world. Like, do you know the impact he had on small business? Do you know the impact he had on leadership and dreamers? Um, wow. So for me, that's, that's, that's probably the ultimate dream, right? Is to, apart from the things that have to do with my family is to have a big enough influence on the world where there's a little bit of reverence when I step in a room because of the, the sacrifices I've made and the impact I've had. Well, for what it's worth, I feel that when I'm around you. So that is at least one, one person one down. where I go. And now we have tens of people watching. There you go. I get to hang out <laughs> with Dan Ralphs and I feel a tremendous sense of gratitude for everything that you've done for me, yeah. what you've done for the community and, um, everybody who you've had an opportunity to coach and uh, give leadership to and training to, and very much look forward to your New York best-selling uh, New York bestseller, New York bestseller. And how about just one sort of uh word of wisdom, sign-off, um, inspirational thought? Yeah, to uh to end our podcast today. If you listen to this with any form of desire to dream 
or are in the thick of the dream. If you're in the thick, if you're in the arena, congratulations, bless you. Stay in the arena, keep chasing it, keep doing it. If you've yet to have the courage to step into the arena, welcome, come join us. It's, the water is warm. Uh, it's an awesome, awesome place to cold. be. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll tell them the water's warm until they get in. Um, but it, it's a great, great place to be. And you deserve to be there, you know? And your life is worth uh, a little risk. I love that. Dan Rouse, thank you so much. Happy to be here. Hopping on the uh, Paul Green Comedy Podcast. This is episode 70, everybody. Uh, I hope you are all out there pursuing your dreams. If you haven't started yet, start now. Hopefully, uh, we gave you some uh, some tips and tricks, and Dan's uh, strategies will be effective to you. Anyway, thank you for listening. I love you all so much, and I will talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>